that's worse than 30 pieces of silver. Extra bacon. Right. So. What are you in jail for? I wanted extra bacon on my sandwich. Yeah. Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs. And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice. So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years. Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining us. In today's conversation, I share with Chris an interaction that made me feel really, really bad. So we're gonna explore how doing the right thing can make you feel really crummy, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because it probably indicates you're becoming a better version of yourself. Hey Jake, it's good to see you again. In person, live, in the same space, same room. Yeah, that, uh, it's been two years plus, yeah. Just seeing you on a little screen as we've been trying to do this podcast thing. Yeah, remotely. And now it's great to be here with you. Yeah, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where I'm from. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So how has your week been? How have you been? Like, I, I, we're kind of actually, for everybody listening, we are actually seeing each other for the first time I'm back yeah, here. Yeah, you've, you've been in town for a long time, but no, this is the two, first time two you chose days, to- Two days, everybody see. is lying. Okay. okay. Well, no, it's been a good week. I've actually been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, me too. To connect. Me too. Well, that's, I don't know. I don't, why does that seem weird? I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm, I think I'm intimidated by looking at because you're staring right at me. I'm like, I can usually just lower the screen. I don't want to look at them now yeah. or whatnot. But just it, look away. One of the things that I'm noticing about being in person uh, is, I don't know if this goes in the podcast or not, but uh, it is interesting. I don't know what to do with myself. Like I'm, I'm sitting here with my arms crossed. Is that normal? I don't know what normal is anymore in person. And I'm conscious of where my feet are. And am I looking too long at a person? Should I look away? Because I've learned two years of Zoom rules uh, and I've sort of forgotten. But but you've been remote for a lot longer than that. Well, yeah, but it was usually, um, you know, interjected with a lot of in-person conferences and whatnot. But I feel like I've, I've had, you're probably... The fifth interaction with like a person outside of uh, immediate family in two years. So it just feels weird, I guess. I'm conscious of how weird it feels. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. But you see people on a regular basis. My whole day has been, or my my normal day working uh, at the university, working in campus safety is a people business. So there was no staying home. Right. Some folks have to show up every day, right? And um, so, yeah, I've been I've been not missing that uh, piece because it's been pretty regular. But it's been adding on to the rest of the world jumping onto these Zoom calls and all right. that stuff, right? But I've got a story for you. It's a people story. Okay, that's great. I would love to hear it. <laughs> I, the I have to say this up front. I'm still working through it, though. Okay. It makes me feel a little bit weird to talk about. You sure you want to talk about it on a podcast? Well, we've done that. We've yeah. kind of done that for a few folks and a few issues and topics. So let me just throw it out there and we could always edit it back. Okay. Sounds right. good. Yeah. So I was working a couple weeks ago and I heard about a 
string of break and enters that happened nearby, that it happened overnight, and that it affected uh, a lot of our students. As it turned out, uh, they had a description of a person who uh, police were looking for. And uh, I saw this person when I was uh, walking about. Okay. I've always wondered about these descriptions. It was that good. It wasn't like a six foot tall, no brown hair, blue eyes. No. It, very, was, it was that specific. You very distinct facial tattoos. Okay. And the person was just in front of me. And it just turned out. Wasn't really looking for them, but there they were. Hundo P, that's the person. That's it. No question. It also um, didn't hurt that they were carrying all the possessions. No. Yes, in no, clear garbage bags. So no they way. had in all clear of the garbage bags. clear garbage bags. So it's like, oh, well, there's the MacBooks and there's the... So All right, fine. you get a chance to step in here and save the day. Right. So where I find this person... Uh, appeared to be a younger person, likely street involved, affected by homelessness and poverty. And I saw them attempting to use a, a uh, credit card at the Tim Hortons. And I went up and I immediately kind of connected that that may be not their card. And so uh, I radioed in that uh, this person was in the line at Tim Hortons, police were on their way. But I had this moment where I didn't want them to get in any more trouble. So I said, hey, don't use that credit card. Turned around and saw me there and I was in uniform. And I said, listen, don't use that credit card. I'd like to buy you your, your uh, I think it was a coffee and a donut there. Mm -hmm. Okay, would you let me do that? She says, sure. So I take out my card and I'm about to tap it and I say, do you want a sandwich? Do you want a breakfast sandwich? Right. Uh, sure. Well, if I were getting a breakfast sandwich for free, I'd get extra bacon. Do you want extra bacon? Do you want oh extra cheese? Gosh, that's great. And so <laughs> she says, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why don't we have a seat over here? I'll carry your bags. You move this way. And they'll call my name when, uh, when the sandwich is ready. So we go over. We drop the stuff there she has a seat i go back and i say can you make the sandwich slowly to oh to the person at the uh, shop correct okay i pay for the sandwich in a few minutes they call me over i pick up the sandwich now we're sitting together i said can i sit down with you while you eat your sandwich we'll just talk she says sure it started to get weird because i looked down and now i know that all of these bags that i can see in and i said i don't think that these are your things Okay, well, you didn't open up the conversation. Wait, no, we were, we, were, we were small talk. Okay. And it was it was guarded. Yeah. Uh, appropriately guarded. Right. And um, I said, so listen, here's the problem. I don't think these bags have all your own, your stuff in it. Okay. No, they are. They are. Okay. Well, I just, if there was any way to get this stuff back to the people that I think they are. I mean, there are, I think they belong to a number of students here in the area and i would love to get that back to them if it is theirs it says nope it's not this is all my stuff pretty calm at this point yeah and okay. we're just casual just eating the sandwich yep. Yep. extra bacon and <laughs> extra bacon. i i said okay fair enough well my name's jake what's your name well what's going on what's going on today 
just trying to get out of the rain, get out of the element, whatever. We, we talk for about five minutes. It's a great conversation. It tells me all about where she grew up. I, we talked about living in similar places mm -hmm. in Spryfield. Mm -hmm. Then the police show up. I hear on my radio that they're just outside. We're not gonna rush it. She finishes the sandwich. We start to walk out the door. And as we walk outside, the police show up, get out of the car, walk right up to her as she's got the bags. She looks over at me, puts the bags down, puts her hands out, is just arrested, walked right to the car. Just let it happen. Let it happen. Glaring at me the whole time. Yeah. The officer responding says, um, that's the first time I have not had to fight with her. I've arrested her many times. That was the first time ever. How, how, can you say how old she is? 19. Oh my gosh. So yeah. she's been arrested multiple times already, yeah. 19, living on the street. Yeah. And we're not giving away her identity here at all. This is just a, you won't be able to figure this out, who she is. So we feel good about that, right? Well, we'll, we'll edit back the name. Okay, good. <laughs> so she starts knocking on the window. Yeah. I look over. With her hands cuffed in front, knocking on the window between the bars, I look over and all I see <laughs> is... <laughs> the universal sign of love. Yeah. <laughs> double, middle figures. Double salute. Yep, double salute. So I go over, open, this, open the door, and say, hey, she says, you. I said, okay, fair enough. She said, I told you my real name. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have to pretend to care. Yeah. And it gutted me. Yeah. And I have not stopped thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I feel terrible right now, too. Well, thank you. Yeah. You suck. <laughs> I've been thinking about that yeah. for weeks. Yeah. Because I've tried to rationalize this out many times. Because it was the right thing to do. On some levels. Yeah. Right? I thought about, I didn't. I know what I was thinking going up there, but it didn't play out that way. I didn't want this person who was likely going to be in trouble for break and enter, mm -hmm. who was in possession of stolen property very clearly, to compound what was happening by trying to use a stolen credit card. I just didn't want that to happen. Okay. I also didn't want to play the same role that you may have expected every other uniformed person to play. Yeah, aggressive, confrontational. Right. Yeah. And I did care and do care. And so the one thing, the one comment that she had back was you didn't have to pretend to care really got me at the whole core of what I was trying to do, how I was trying to show up differently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, felt like really, really shitty moment. What's interesting about that is often I find myself not in a situation that explicit or where the stakes are so high. Like someone's going to jail because you did the right thing, quote unquote. But in work, and you've got to confront people about things. You've got to let people go. You've got to make hard decisions that impact them horribly. And they'll give you the double fingers, you know, the double salute or the middle finger. And you do feel awful about it. But what choice did you have? Would you, looking back on it now, would you do it differently? Would you do something differently? No, I wouldn't. Um, but I would, 
I would be careful with um, how vulnerable that my trying to do something different uh, made someone else feel. So when I think about all of the things that this person must have to encounter every day, the things that they can hold close to them, their identity, the who they are, uh, a story about who they are, I would not be so cavalier in asking those kind of things. Um, you think there's a line there where you can put somebody at ease, be authentic, and demonstrate genuine care without being, without feeling like you're tricking them. Yeah, I assume that's what she felt. Like she, she felt deceived, she, right? Like I, I think took, she's felt worse than deceived, betrayed, betrayed, betrayed by a person. That she was had, willing to open up, yeah. be vulnerable. Yep, and you used that to get her into jail. I think that I think that's how she would tell that story. Probably doesn't have a podcast, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> this is how I tell that story. So back um, back after nine eleven, I remember reading in the Atlantic a story, and I'm sure I'm going to get some of the details wrong. So love to hear from somebody the accurate details but i read in the atlantic about um a group of individuals in the u.s military um intelligence who as opposed to beating the truth out of suspected individuals remember all of these folks go to black ops right, right. areas with no proof that they were who they were it, there was just enough probable cause but they went from probable cause to like permanent incarceration, horrible abuse. But there was a group of individuals who I guess, I believe they all had like serious education, like out of Yale, Harvard, or whatever. I don't know why wow. they were in the military or why they chose that, but they became part of a group. We're, we're going to have to come back and unpack that in a future and, episode. All I meant was that they seemed like they probably wanted to serve, right? They probably right. wanted to follow up and be a part of making something happen. Whereas normally, if you've got those kind of skill sets and that time of cue, you make a ton of money anywhere, right? But right. they were in the military and they were in this harsh location, black ops sites, and they were called the crocodiles because they never abused anybody. They never used physical violence. They didn't even threaten it. All they did was what you did to this young lady, which was open up, humanize, create that connection and then the information would flow out based on trust and proximity mm -hmm. and shared empathy. They were able to, to use their insights, I guess even behavioral insights, well enough to have the other person voluntarily help. But afterwards, they were often filled with regret because they felt like, I don't know, not brainwashed, but just a bit like her, mm -hmm. maybe. I don't know, but but in, in that case, I think, well, it could have been much worse, and you have to be thinking the same thing. Yeah, she flipped you off. She's in the back of a car. You did use her vulnerability against her. You weaponized trust. But what were the alternatives? Like getting run down, like a, a horrible, violent arrest or yeah, well, longer that, incarceration? What, or... One of the things that I was not – going to do was to go hands-on yeah i had made that oh, determination yeah, i could not right? even imagine you so i yeah. i was not going to do that right. so for me this was uh trying to find an alternative to what would otherwise be uh, uh the 
only outcome. And I do wonder if, um, you know, when we think about policing models, if there was more space than to just go with an enforcement uh, right away, right off the bat, um, aggressive, uh, hands-on. What if you took time? What if more responders took time to see the human, um, to connect in human ways? Is it possible to avoid violence? I believe so. I practice that way. And I think more people ought to. But the mortgage uh, that mm. you pay on that. Yeah, that's a good way to is, say it. I'm left thinking about it later. Yeah. Because I had a connection that I think was authentic. Uh, I was naturally curious. Tell me your story. We talk about stories all the time. Mm -hmm. Where'd you grow up? What mm -hmm. are you doing? I do know that something else is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But so does she, I think. I mean, um, it was very clearly in possession of stolen property. Could you have brought that up? Do you feel like that would have been a tactically correct thing to do to say, I think we both know what's going to happen here. And I just want you to know we're going to walk out and the police and give her a chance to interact. I know that's such a nuanced thing and I would not have thought of it in the moment. So it's not No, a I, I did think of it. Um, but if it goes poorly, yeah, then I'm, op I'm back to op option one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if the goal was to avoid at all cost option one, uh, which was to go hands on, then that was a card I just, it was a variable I didn't know how it would right. turn out. Right. Okay. Well, I'm interested in the mortgage part. Like okay. you make the investment. Yeah. It's done. You feel like in the moment, even as you reflect on it now, I made the right decision. But you're left with what I'm typically left with, which is I did make the right decision in business or we did let that person go. And I know a lot of our listeners working in HR or whatnot, yep. these tough decisions and as we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, even confronting people about microaggressions and other issues can leave you with, I know that was the right thing to do, and I feel like a schmuck. Like, I feel awful that that other person now has to deal with that. Like, I'm, it feels like you're kind of carrying a little bit of the weight of the consequences of her choice on you. But Or is it just strictly, can you parse out that it's just that... Is it just the betrayed feeling? It's the betrayed. For me, I yeah. can parse it. Everything else is a is a natural or unfortunate consequence. I, I understand that it's related. It may be related to addiction. It may be related to the mm -hmm. circumstances. Um, you know, I could I could also get that if it wasn't these five houses, it would have been another five, yeah. and we may have never connected. Yeah. And so all of those things, I can get my head around. What I couldn't get it around is the comment that I told you my name and you didn't have to pretend to care. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a deeply human moment and seeing, I think there's this empathy pathway. There's this connection that we have as she's cuffed and the door is open in the back of the patrol car and we're just having this five second right. extra moment. Right. We had a sandwich. Right. And now we're having the second human connection and I think there's this um, this empathy problem, yeah. That I that I'm left thinking about now. How, how long ago did it happen? About two weeks ago. How often are you thinking about it? Every other every other day, still. Yeah. Yeah. Run, kind of running through your mind. Yeah. Drive around, wonder 
if I'm going to bump into her, wondering what the next time uh, it will be like, wondering, wondering what I will say the next time I see this. This was the first time I had ever bumped into this person. So, I mean, I know a lot of folks who are, um, you know, connected and, and working on the street and living on the street. Uh, but this is the first time I've ever met this person. And so wondering what's the next interaction going to look like. Yeah. So I think about that a lot. Yeah. And I would too. Again, if we translate this into more of a work environment where we're looking at addressing issues, I am... Um, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons we started this podcast is because I had conducted myself in a way that I wasn't happy about in a team meeting. And right. I wanted to understand why it happened because like you was playing out in my mind and it's over and over again. So I figured, um, and we talked about that in season one as yes. a callback. Yes. That's good. <laughs> That's See right. how I did that? <laughs> yeah. So you can check that episode out. I think it's what the what the hell's wrong, wrong with, with Chris? Chris Jarvis or Chris? Yeah, what the hell's wrong with Chris? Yeah, that's a good one. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. So we've often talked about how um, we see the world and how experience shapes the neural net in our brain because our brain, the way it's wired, determines how how we're able to see the world. So I can't. Right see the world the way you see it because my wiring is distinct, unique. Everybody's is. But by the same token, you can't see the world differently than your neural net will allow. It, right. That's the physical representation of your worldview. If you want to perceive the world differently, then you need some rewiring. And so the disorienting dilemma, just to remind everybody who's listening, is the moment where your experience doesn't meet your expectation. And I think when you saw her in the backseat of the car for those few minutes, boom, there was a disorienting dilemma because you went into it with an expectation of this is the right thing to do. It's going to minimize risk and right. and violence and whatnot. And then you had this experience of you didn't have to pretend to care. And now you're think now that that's a crashing of two things because I did the right thing. I feel awful in a way. I have mm -hmm. these awful feelings. I don't know how to describe it. That's right. And you move into a place where you begin this sort of sense making of playing it out in your mind. Everybody does. Because, um, and just for, and I know you know this, Jake, but just for people who are listening, um, when you have the disorienting dilemma, acetylcholine, which is a chemical in the brain, secretes and your brain becomes more malleable, less right. fixed. And new neurons begin to look for connections to other neurons. It's a fascinating process that the human brain. These dendrites are yeah, started to reach to out. form and connect. yeah. And we in the show notes we could probably put a link to because you can see that visually now. Yeah. And then we get to this place, which is the rational discourse. So these are the stages of neural growth. Uh, the disorienting dilemma triggers the acetylcholine. You play it out over and over in your mind. You revisit the pathway that strengthens the pathway. Those new neural connections. So now you have a connection to a, a memory, but you're in the sense making, you're deciding what it means. Like right. you're trying to, so you're actually getting all these other memories and you're constructing, I think it's called ladder memory construction or something similar to that. Um, Dr. David Eagleman talks about it, but you're interpreting that experience based on all of your other experiences. And then we get to this stage, which is the rational discourse, which is sharing it with We've somebody else. We've got to talk else. it out. We've yeah. got to just help, help me make sense of this. Yeah. I'm stuck in my own head with my own experiences. And this is that inclusive space, right? Where yeah. we start to value uh, the, um, 
diverse perspectives around us and why it matters to have people who think differently with different experiences so that they can help you when you get to this discourse place. And so, yeah, and as a result, you know, even I get to live into your experience of obviously in my way of thinking about it. And now I'm involved in the rational discourse a little bit considering, and we'll come, whether we intend it, whether we say it or not, we're going to walk away with next time it happens, you have already referenced it. Next time it happens, I don't know what, I think you're at the phrase of, uh, phase of, I don't know what I would do differently, but you're working out a strategy. So the next time you see her or someone or a similar right. situation, you've preset your responses at this point and they may work horribly. And then you've got the disorienting dilemma again, which is, well, that didn't work. It's all cyclical. So I'm going to play it out in my mind for a couple of weeks and I'm going to talk to somebody, come up with some new strategies. And then that, but this is the way uh, we literally become different yeah and see the world differently and move towards hopefully a better version of ourselves but it can equally move towards a worse version of ourselves because you could think you know what i tried that hated how i felt for two weeks that that mortgage of horrible feelings screw that next time i'll just call the police they can do it because the net result is the same so why bother that could have been a strategy right could have been i think it's a it's a dangerous strategy. Oh, I'm not. Uh, no, that. no, to not about the police model, but to avo- which our brains will naturally resist to do something new or different yeah. or unfamiliar or feel bad. And so I think all we're doing is shifting. We're shifting the work to someone else. We're shifting the um, this whole process. So I'm happy it went that way because it gives me an opportunity to think and and to to process and to chat with you and. And to be better if we're constantly evolving mm-hmm. our responses, our connections to other people, um, and discovering our space in the world and, and, and what that means when we bump into other humans, um, it gives us a real runway to be different. Um, so I, I am happy to still be bothered and thinking about it because I think it's the proof that it was a meaningful enough experience that will shape uh, yeah. in the future. Plus... We get to talk about it too now. Okay, so let's let's do another callback. We talked about community policing last year. Yeah. Last season. And in that discussion, there was sort of this understanding, or, or we at least talked about sort of an abdication of responsibility for my role in the community. I don't think we said it exactly like that, but I see something happening across the street. I don't understand what it is. Call 911. I see this person. Do they belong in the neighborhood? Call 911. I see this person at a pool. They don't look like they belong. The us and them thing, call 911. We typically, to event, avoid feeling bad or whatnot, we bring in that outside, we sort of outsource community issues to the police who are by and large not the complete group with the complete understanding to handle all community problems. Right. Right. So little kids playing with toy guns, they get the same response as somebody holding somebody at a at gunpoint. Right. De- there's, dead. Yeah. There's no yeah. difference. Correct. Because that's that's the, the bandwidth that can be handled with a law enforcement uh, by and large at least in the United States and maybe in Canada to some degree I suppose but um, but you're saying by getting yourself involved and opening yourself up to the bad feelings that mortgage mm-hmm. it's really the only way to kind of be in the narrative with our community and ev- and grow and evolve with people otherwise we're sort of strengthening our bubble 
from which we perceive the world. And we never really have to be a part of somebody else's story. Right. It It is the hard work of moving away from an enforcement model of public safety to one that is rooted in a human-centered uh, approach to care and concern. Yeah. So if I can see the other person as a human, yeah. if I can create some space for them to see me outside of the role or the uniform, then I might have an opportunity to change the narrative. It might be too far in this instance, but we can certainly change some of the predicted, predictable outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's, it's always worth the work and the constant effort and constant revisiting. So do you have any uh, takeaways? Like we're going through the sense-making process and now we're in the discourse. So we're being really obvious about what's going on here, more so than I think two normal people talking at a coffee shop might be. But I would love to just think through, if you have them, is there anything in terms of your strategy going forward, some learnings that you would, because you're going to, this will happen again to you. Right. So I would say, Going forward, I will be more mindful of um, when I see people to make sure I leave them with a lot more agency to to share um, in less invasive ways. So when I ask your name, what are you up to? Where are you from? Um, I ask those questions first without offering anything. I said my name first, which was the only thing I offered up first. I said, hey, my name's Jake. What's yours? And then we were into it. And then I would start asking, so where are you from? Oh, that's interesting. And I'm trying to, um, you know, uh, create some connections, show the similarity, the familiarity, um, affinity. And so I'm trying to create some in-group with them. I say, I, I used to live in, in that neighborhood too. Mm -hmm. um, what I would do differently is try to offer first instead of ask first and, and do that more. Did, would that have changed how... They I don't know, but when I reflect on it, I think I asked that person to give more Maybe first without any exposed, relationship. Like, yeah. I, and I for what? Extra bacon, right? That's worse than 30 pieces of silver. Extra bacon. Right. So. What are you in jail for? I wanted extra bacon on my sandwich. Yeah. If I just, anyway. So the, I, I think that when I reflect, that that's one thing I, I'll be taking away. Okay. You know, I'm thinking about it, and of course, I'm thinking about myself in not that situation, but other situations like that first one. I I think I the principle I have to be okay with is it's okay to feel badly about making the right choice. Mm -hmm. And that that's an invitation. That that bad feeling is actually growth in my brain. And, and it signals that there's something important happening here. And don't walk away from it. Don't avoid it next time. Bad feelings. I know we all want to do it. Like, who wants to feel bad? But just exploring what is it about that that made me feel bad? We, we've both had to let folks go, I'm sure, yep. in terms of yes. uh, a work relationship. And if I'm just knowing you and you know me, I, those are not easy conversations. And Hate they, them. They, they go on in your brain for a yep. while. Did you hear about the one where 900 people got... Uh, yes. Like... Yes, the CEO and, and the, yes, on... It, it's better. all over TikTok. Better.com, the CEO. Yeah, he's out there. Like, Put it out there. Yeah, he put himself out and there. And what he said was, this is the second time in my career I've had to do this. The first time I cried, I'm hoping not to have to do that this time. Uh, yeah, that's where I thought, dude, 
crash and burn. Mm-hmm. 900 people can't. Yeah. Zero empathy. Zero. Zero connection with people. But he thought he was being empathetic. That's the thing. Did he? Well, I, you know what? He's sitting there casually. He's like leaning in, blah, 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 you guys. I'm sorry. Trying to, he's trying to be human about the whole when thing. When you say the right words. But there's not, there was no connection no. to that. No. Uh, obviously, it was poorly planned, poorly thought out. Now, the thing is, what do you do with that afterwards? You're the fam- You're the most famous CEO in North America right now <laughs> for doing the worst thing. Famous? Notorious? Notorious. Better word. Better word. <laughs> but um, I, I just, when I heard that, I thought the thing you solved for between the first and the second was your humanity. That was the thing you fixed. The last time I did this, I cried. So I hope not to do that. Really. You did this twice. Even if you can articulate why you had to do this twice, the thing that you wanted to get better at was not feeling, was not crying. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we can leave that for another show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's all I want to talk about that guy. Um, okay, so um, takeaway number one, you said, I, I think I would try and make it a bit more equitable, the discussion, so they had agency and felt like, Okay, so they weren't being duped or deceived into, okay. So so it would leave um, less question in their mind that it was just a ploy. Yeah. And for me, it's, uh, it's okay to have those bad feelings and do the sense making, find people that you can discuss it with, um, but don't avoid the bad feelings because they take you down the right path as opposed to next time I do this, I don't want to seem so, like such a wuss and cry in front of people. I want to be a little bit more professional. Right. I, it, yeah. Now, that is a strategy that may have come out, come out of two weeks of feeling horrible about it. But I don't know if it's a strategy where he involved many other people in the rational discourse of what do you think? That's where community really matters. And, and a diverse community. Right is going to give you even a better set of options and strategies as opposed to people who look like me, talk like me, grew like Echo chamber. Yeah, that I'm pretty sure I can get 15 people to respond. Yeah, don't cry next time because they look like me. They're all CEOs. They make a whole lot of money, $29 million in a bonus the year before, that kind of thing. Yeah. Go to somebody else who it does not fit the profile. Tell the story, be vulnerable and say, what would you have done? Or can you help me sort this out because I've I've got a bad feeling mortgage that I'm trying to pay off so I can do better next time. I think that's it. All right. Well, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) We always struggle with how to end this, but um, why don't we just end now? Okay. All right. Thanks, Shake. See you, buddy. Bye. Podstarter.